Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for June 15th, 2021. Fred, uh, we need a different opening. You know, all the other podcasts have these big graphics and orchestras and pompous music and lasers and everything leading into their show. We just come on and I say good evening. You know, we we, we can do better. But yeah, I want uh, an intro, man. I want something. Spag. Yeah, I know. OBR Weekly with Fred Greedham. You know, something powerful like that. You know, we got we'll all this graphic it. department. Let's get on it. <laughs> My name's Barry McBride. <laughs> I am the publisher and the tame web dork of the OBR. As always, I am joined by Mr. Freddie Greedham, the Berea legend. How's it going, Fred? Good. I'm a little tired. I've been running all over the place, doing Zooms in the car, parking lot, Panera, writing stories. But it's kind of good to get back there and see some real football. You know, we saw allegedly 90 players for the first time were on the field today. And uh, most of them were participating. Only four were watching. That's uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um they really put you through your paces there in Berea, don't they? You go straight from being on the field to having to set up a Zoom somewhere uh, in your car or at Panera or something like that. How long do you have to get from point A to point B? Not very long. I mean, when Kev, like after practice, when Stefanski get, you know, is done, naturally he wants to get it over with, so he just goes right in and they start. Mm-hmm. Today was supposed to be at 4 o'clock. He had already started when I got settled in at Panera, and I left practice early to get there, you know, and it was, so I don't know how long he'd been going, but yeah, they just go when they want to go. They're not on our schedule. And, uh, you know, today a typical day was, they, they've spaced it out a little bit. They did have Zoom starting at a little before 12. Practice was at 2, and Stefanski was at 4. It used to be Zoom, and then they went right on the practice field. So you had to make a decision. Do I skip that and go right to practice and check in or do it in my car, just listen? If you do it on the phone, here's a little thing. You have the option of just listening, but you can't ask any questions on the phone. You have to do the, you know, the, the I don't know, whatever it's called, the Zoom, you know, yeah. with the computer or whatever that link in order to ask questions so anyway today yeah it was like 11:50 until about one we talked to nick chubb denzel ward and jc treader i wrote a story on chubb and and ward both talking about wanting to stay here big topic is they're due for an extension big extensions and what are the browns mm-hmm. going to do we'll talk about that in a little bit but yep. then um but then we um buzzed off to Berea that they let you in at 150 practice starts around two and uh, practice was to go to 345 and Stefanski was going to go right after that so I left at 340 thinking I had plenty of time to get set up he had already started when I nestled myself in there at two till four (laughs) and uh, then talked to him and then wrote another story five takeaways from what i saw today so right yeah a lot happening then i run here for the highlight of my day of my week of my month you know to to talk to all our 
our friendly fans. And uh, so here we are. Yeah, well, a, a little a glimpse into the life of a OBR beat writer. So glorious and glamorous. It it is 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 all glamour and the groupies and it just it, it, it's crazy, man. Um, I just want to give you guys a little programming note. Um, a little friend, a good friend of mine, uh, who has listened to this podcast, told me in all seriousness that uh, the OBR Weekly does not need a hyper caffeinated Barry McBride. Uh, which I have been pretty much every week. Instead, he told me it needs a Newswire Barry McBride, which is basically prattling a non sequiturs and not a guy who uh, sounds like he's imitating what he hears on the radio. So I'm not sure I can pull that off, but what I can say is that I've decided to make a change of liquid. So instead of coffee, uh, I am drinking uh, bourbon, uh, as you would expect. Um, it's an attempt to get me to mellow out and, and be more myself on the air. We'll see if it works. Good luck. May God help us all. Uh, the one thing that hasn't changed is that you define the show. Uh, I brought some news items to talk about and a couple of questions, uh, but whether the show is a success or not is dependent on you. Right now, there aren't a ton of people watching. Hopefully, uh, uh, more people join us. That always happens. It starts out small and then grows and grows and grows throughout the show. Um, as people join, hopefully they will ask questions, and uh, that will drive the show. Uh, I couldn't run a lemonade lemonade stand, so I'm totally dependent on your questions and comments in the chat room to make this thing roll. But I did bring a couple of news items with me uh, from today. Um, first item, of course, Browns held a mandatory minicamp. Uh, which was available to be witnessed solely by the chosen few of the media who aren't apparently slathered in COVID. Uh, fortunately, Fred Greetham is one of those chosen few. Um, Fred, did you see anything or anyone at minicamp that just sort of blew you away? You, you were just going, wow. You know, I, I, I can't believe this athlete's a member of uh, the Cleveland Browns. Well, in all fairness, um we were, we were in our on the sideline view. The previous OTAs, we had been, the 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 Browns were on the backfields. I don't know how anybody that's been to training camp knows they let the the fans in from Beach Street, which was the Baldwin Wallace side. Well, that's where the fields are when they call it the backfields. And in OTAs, the last three weeks. They were on those fields, and we're let in there. And so we're right there pretty close to where they're at. Today, we were the, the, they were on the far field closest to the Browns building and closest to where we used to enter the field. We now enter from the ground shed on the backside, and so we were a good 150 yards from the offense. They were completely opposite us. Now, the defense was running and rotating near us. So if you look at my Twitter feed, almost all the videos are up close of the defensive groups. But offense, it was like no go. But Mm. anyway, so we're on the sideline. They did let us move over a little bit, cat a corner. We still weren't very close to see them do a little of the scrimmaging. But with that said, um, no, nobody blew me away. Um, 
it was just more impressions to see some of the guys. I was impressed with Grant Delpit. He was looked like he was taking part with everything. Now realize they're wearing helmets, but there's no contact in this thing. But he was running and taking his turn in all the drills. Mm -hmm. And uh, he looked like he was pretty fluid. I even made a note of that in one of my takeaways today about the three safeties. You know, running the drills looked pretty good. And Ronnie Harrison and John Johnson and Delpit. But another um, observation was uh, Andrew Billings is a big, large human being. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't see him last year because he opted out. But I saw pictures of him with the Bengals. And, and let me just say, I think he put on a few, you know, in the COVID-19. I think he did the COVID-25. You know, he <laughs> looks like he added some pounds. Um, it seemed like he was listed at a little over 300 you know, a year or two ago, Browns have him at 328. I think right. he's a little more than that, but he's got a few weeks to get in shape. But he 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 was pretty nimble, but he looked a little bit, you know, big to me. But Jadavian Clowney was there for the first time. Tack McKinley was there. Tack McKinley looked a little leaner than I was expecting, and he looked pretty quick. So did Clowney. So it was just mm -hmm. good to see these guys running around. I have Twitter, you know, pictures of most of them and video. Or if you want to see these guys, you can pick them out if you know their numbers and so forth. But um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say anything, you know, when they're just kind of catching passes in the air, right? And tackling the air, you know, the defensive linemen were beating the tar out of the dummies, which was kind of interesting. You could see Clowney and Garrett and all them attacking them and taking their frustrations out on them, but. Other than that, uh, I mean, I, you can't really make no judgment on somebody really looking good other yeah. than in shorts and T-shirts and helmets. Yeah, un unfortunately, you were at the uh, opposite side of the field of, Orlando, uh, of Odell Beckham, uh, but we'll get to him in, in, in just a second. Um, I, if you don't follow Fred Greedham on Twitter, uh, you are missing out. He is your eyes and ears at training camp. He takes these uh, incredible videos live from uh, the sidelines and uploads them. Uh, I saw you all over Reddit today, Freddie. Uh, I know they're picking up your videos. Uh, we picked up your videos and put them in the front page story. It's just great stuff. So uh, follow Fred Greetham uh, if you uh, are one of those uh, tweeters. Well, um, why you can, Barry, because... Anytime they can shut us off. Right now, we're allowed to tweet for that hour and a half or whatever of that the practice is going on. But once right. the season starts, um, you only can do stretching. You can't right. do any anything. I'm serious. You can't no, do anything once once they start throwing the balls around, other than the individual drills. So, so yeah, get what you can while you can. I, I laugh because we had a guy on the forums years ago who uh, did an analysis of one of the players stretching and uh, thought he was going to be a lot better. Courtney Brown, I think it was, because he was stretching so well. But uh, at any rate, yeah, I am uh, familiar with uh, uh, with those regulations at camp. So, yeah, definitely let's take a look at these players while we absolutely can. Um, news item number two, uh, as the OBR's Lane Atkins reported a ways back, uh, Nick Chubb and the Browns are engaged in contract talks. 
The player himself says he wants to remain in Cleveland. Um, did you get any sense from Chubb's demeanor or his words about how well that's going? Or did he just say, ah, my agent's working on this and I'm all about football? Yeah, let me first say, Walt Stillwell mentioned that he looked bigger. I tweeted a picture of him and made that comment. I said, mm. the guy looks like he's been in the weight room. I mean, he's big anyway, but his biceps were the real deal, you know, in those videos. He looked massive. But, um, you know, Nick Chubb is what I've said. If you've listened to what I've said on this video, I believe he really truly wants to be here, and I believe that this is what it's about. The most telling thing he said, and you can read my story or even hear his exact quotes about, I want to be here. He said, I do not like uncertainty. And here, I know the coaches and I know what it's all about here in Cleveland. I mm. like Cleveland. That tells all I need to know. I've said, I really think this is what he wants to do. He seems like the person that's not going to pound the table for the last dollar. And so I still contend that he's going to be a Cleveland Brown long-term. Now, I don't know a lot about his agency, creative arts. I don't know if they would, they would take the approach, you know, we're going to go for the last dollar. And, and if Chubb wouldn't get involved, I think he would, I'd say, I want to be here. I think I take him at his word. He is a very humble guy, but he's also a very quiet guy. And I think when mm -hmm. he says he doesn't like uncertainty, I think that's what he means. He wants to know what, what the deal is. He doesn't want to go where the grass might be greener and he doesn't know the coaches or the players and things like that. So he said the Browns drafted him. He says he's comfortable here. So I think, I think that they're going to get something done with him. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's before training camp. I don't have any anything concrete on it, but he did say, yeah. He just left it off. Yeah, I'm leaving it to my agent. Denzel right. Ward said that they are in talks. His agent is in talks with the Browns, and he's leaving it to him. But then he went on and on about being from Cleveland, and in a perfect world, he'd like to play his whole career here. Who knows? Right. But those two guys are big cornerstones going forward one on each side of the fence these are the type guys that you build around you don't let them get away in free agency they already picked up ward's fifth year option so they have a little more time with him but chubb is in the last year of his contract i wouldn't be surprised if they get something done you know they signed chubb for a couple of years they've got hunt already that's the best running back tandem in the NFL, if you ask me. And nobody does, but if you were to ask me, that's what I would tell you. And we would have them locked up for a couple of years, along with a strong offensive line. That that bodes well, Fred. That is a uh, That would be a positive development if they could get Chubb signed, uh, especially if they could get him signed for sort of a team-friendly type of deal, which uh, Well, I don't we even know about that, but... Andrew Barry knows that, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go back a year. I thought the hard one would be Kareem Hunt because yeah. he was he was going to be a free agent, and who wouldn't want him to be their bell cow back? I mean, I think right. he, I think his agents or he would have thought that, but he said, you know, last year at this time, oh, I really like running with Nick Chubb. I really like working together. 
I thought, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You want to be the main <laughs> man. And then he signed right. an extension. Chubb has said the same thing. I truly think that they do like playing together and, and working together. And so I felt all along Chubb was was the guy that would be easier to get done than Hunt. I might be totally wrong, but since they got Hunt done first, I thought it's a layup. Now you just go get him done because he wants to be here. And we've mm -hmm. heard guys say that before. But being around him for the three, four years, I really see that in him. Yeah, uh, it seems to be a legitimate uh, legitimate feeling on, on his part. Uh, of course, these guys are in a good situation with uh, a very strong uh, offensive line ahead of them. Uh, I'm sure it's uh, much nicer to run through big holes than try to squeeze through non-existent ones. Uh, and both of those players have uh, are in pretty good in a pretty good situation here, uh, if we can work out the finances. And uh, like you said, uh, Lane had also let subscribers know that the Browns and Denzel Ward were talking, uh, and the quarterback talked about that a little bit this afternoon. Um, you know, uh, you know Baker Mayfield is is obviously a critical signing. Uh, Chubb is an important signing. Teller's an important signing. Where do you think Ward sort of stands on that list to the Browns? Is he a absolutely must-sign player at cornerback, do you think? Well, you know, we all know his durability issues, but, you know, he was leading the NFL in pass breakups before he missed some games. You know, he had 15 or 16. I think he is what he is um, as far as – you know, a cornerback that can lock down a receiver. And I think this is a passing league. And we just saw last year what you had behind him. You know, Terrence Mitchell did all right, but I surely wouldn't have called him a lockdown corner. And we saw Kevin Johnson, you know, wasn't much better. And then behind him, it was a disaster. So you you don't know about Greedy Williams. You don't he, – he wasn't – he wasn't the top – of the food chain as a rookie, and then he had that injury. So we don't know what you have with Greg Newsom. I feel pretty good about Troy Hill. I think you need four good cornerbacks. And, and Denzel mm -hmm. Ward, you know, made a pro bowl as a rookie year. I think that, yeah, I, I think it's a no-brainer. you got to keep him. You know, you got to – you just can't create holes just to create holes. You draft a guy fourth overall in the draft, this is what – this is what you bring them in for to be cornerstones of your team. He on defense, along with Miles Garrett, those are the only two guys really, you know, that they're building around from last year's team on defense. You mm -hmm. might have nine other starters between those two, but yeah, you got to get Ward done. You got to get Mayfield done. You got to get Chubb done. And I would really say I would rather have by Teller long term than JC Treader at this stage. And I would even if right. I had to, I would trade the dollars and get something done with Treader because these are what you were dreaming about when you draft or, or develop these guys. So mm -hmm. why, why create a hole by letting them go? You know, I, uh, you know, all of these guys are must sign, right? And you only have a limited amount of dollars, even if the salary cap increases uh, significantly uh, over the course of the next year. Um, at this point, I'm trusting Andrew Berry. And he he's he's outperformed my personal expectations for what uh, for what he could do, and uh, I'm assuming that he can somehow pull this off if anybody can. 
uh, and get all these guys back. But uh, next, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of months to see how things go in terms of these contracts. Also going to be interesting in the off season. Uh, Barry's got his work cut out for him, but if anybody's up to it, I think he, he is. Uh, news item number four, uh, during his time with the media, Brown Center and NFLPA president, J.C. Treder described the union's wins, quote-unquote, during the offseason with a decrease in intensity and so forth. You know, when we were going into the season, it sounded like the NFLPA wanted mandatory minicamps to be virtual, that they uh, you know, didn't want the OTAs really to happen. Uh, maybe Treder thinks that the union won, but I'm not necessarily so sure of that. Uh, how, how, how did Treader seem when he was talking about this uh, uh, earlier today? Did he did he really seem to feel that the union had made progress with the NFL? Well, you know, one thing about his press conference, there was no questions about the Browns. It was all about you know COVID and the and these mm. these type of situations of the yeah. off off season, but. Um, Maybe the last one, there was one about him and the offensive line getting together off off campus. But, yeah, he pointed out all the – he looked at any reduction in practices and anything that they accomplished was a win. And he thinks that the coaches were even buying in and that maybe next year that they will even adopt some of this going forward and some of the training mm-hmm. camp and so forth. I don't know. Um there was some parts he was asked about the chain, you know, some of the recent studies about CDC and some with vaccinated, you know, younger men having some potential heart problems and, and also those that have already had COVID. There was about 250 players that had COVID and about changing the stance and not requiring them to get vaccinated. He said Mm. that he didn't know about these things or he didn't know about those studies. It was hard for me to, to, to understand it, but I'll take him at his word on that. But um, yeah, he, he pointed out and felt like they had, you know, they had made some gains because there were some concessions by the coaches and so forth, you know, in the reduced OTAs and everything. I think Browns players in particular were kind of walking the fine line because they're teammates and he's a team leader and yet he's the president. He didn't want him to go. And you had mostly the defensive guys go, and the offensive guys kind of did their own thing. I think right. that was more in deference to Treader's right. wishes and so forth. So, yeah, it was kind of a mixed bag. He he called it a win because they felt like any concessions, you know, were things that that they mm-hmm. accomplished that they didn't have in the past. Right. Right. Yeah, it just seemed like the the uh, the bar was set here, and they wound up, you know here and uh but you know progress was made i guess from their perspective so i guess you would call that a win uh, news item number five uh ex-starting defensive tackle sheldon richardson signed today with the minnesota vikings for a paltry 3.6 million a big come down from what he had been making uh there are some rumors that the browns offered more but lane told us that that ship had sailed uh, a long time ago uh, from Richardson's perspective, uh, if not from the Browns' perspective. Um, but, you know, I, I'm wondering, is this confirmation of the Greetham theorem that players will accept less money after they're cut? 
because they don't want to sign with the team that cut them? Is that your exactly. theorem, friend? Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, I said it a while ago, too. Like, Lane, I said, so many times guys will not come back and take less money just so they can go somewhere else and they can spin their, you know, story elsewhere. They don't want to come back here and ask, answer questions about why did you come back after they cut you and went from 12 million to 3 million or whatever. I fully expect it, that the Browns probably did offer more, you know, than 3 million because, you know, here's a guy that was, you know, 11, 12 million, and they wanted to get out from under it. I don't know why they did at the time, because at that time they didn't really have a replacement for him since right. they went out and signed and drafted several guys. So there was a there was a quite a pool of defensive linemen. If you look at my video, I, I have a pool of them. You can see them all standing around there. You know, guys from undrafted Marvin Wilson, who they gave a lot of money to, drafted Tommy Togiai. Damian Square brought him in, a veteran free agent. And then Malik McDowell, who's sat out today. Um, mm -hmm. Don't know what's wrong with him, but as far as um, – and then you you know, you know, got Malik Jackson you signed in free agency. And then you have Andrew Billings, who didn't play last year due to COVID. So there's a lot of guys, and I think they're, they're thinking they can rotate. And Jordan Elliott coming back, you know, that they can replace him. I thought he was the third best – defensive player last year behind Garrett and Ward, but mm -hmm. for whatever reason, Barry likes to have about $20 million in salary cap. He likes when he looks it over the cap to see Browns are always in the top four or five. No, right. I'm just kidding. I don't know why they felt like they had to do that. They still had the money, but they just must have mm -hmm. felt it wasn't worth bringing him back at that at that guaranteed amount. So, so that's where they're at, and I wasn't expecting him back just like Lane. They Right. You know, when you when you cut somebody, there's there's a little pride involved. And this guy's, you know, played pretty well and he was first round pick and he's got a lot of money. But I mm -hmm. he did go to the Vikings who have a pretty good team and a chance to get in the playoffs as well. So it wasn't like he went for the last dollar with a team that's on the bottom hoping to do something. The Vikings should right. be in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how Richardson contributes to them this year. Uh, and I can't believe I just referred to three point six million dollars as paltry. Uh, if I had three point six million dollars, I'd pick up fly fishing. I'd I'd be gone. I'd be out of here. But uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, and we now have confirmation of the Greetham theorem. Uh, folks, more folks are joining us. That's great. Uh, if you have joined us on the YouTube live stream. Please feel free to wander into the chat and ask us questions. Uh, that's how the second half of this show is supposed to go, uh, answering your questions. I've got a handful of them now, but uh, if you've got anything you want to ask the man who was there today at minicamp, uh, fire away. Fire away. Uh, and we will get to them very soon. Uh, news item number six. Uh, since we last talk, talked, uh, and until minicamp started, the biggest Browns news had been a charity softball game put on by Jarvis Landry. Uh, got more coverage than softball has ever gotten in the history of man. Uh, and let's talk about the two stories which came out of that affair. Uh, the first one had to do with Travis Kelsey, who uh, said that the Browns and Chiefs are neck and neck. 
and the Browns have a brand new defense. The Chiefs have a brand new offensive line. Are you buying that, Fred, that the Browns and the Chiefs are neck and neck in the AFC? Well, until proven otherwise, you know, and the, and the Browns show they can beat the Chiefs, I still think the Chiefs are the team. Um, I mean, it was good to see Kelsey, I mean, from Cleveland, wearing a Manny Ramirez throwback jersey, <laughs> Indians jersey and an Indians hat. And, uh, boy, it sure had been nice to have him with the Browns. Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah, he said the right things. And I think that, you know, he, he mentioned a couple of the additions. And, and I think that especially, you know, he's going to have JOK try to cover him or John Johnson probably more likely has done a good job of shutting down linebackers and or tight ends. And, you know, he had a field day against the Browns, you know, in the past because they couldn't oh, yeah. cover him. And so hopefully they have somebody that can match up with him and amongst other guys. But, no, I think that the Chiefs are still the team. But I think the Browns really closed the gap. And, unfortunately, all the good teams, up-and-coming teams, seem to be in the AFC. It reminds me of the, yep. the Cavs. When I covered the Cavs and they won the championship, those four years they went to the finals, won once, that might have been the best team I ever saw in the Cavs. And I've followed them since 1970. And yet the Warriors at that time were probably the best team in history during that period. And, of course, the, the Cavs had their best team at the wrong time. And right now you hope that's not the case with the Browns because right. the Chiefs have Mahomes and the Bills are rising with Allen. And, of course, the AFC North uh, with, the, with the Ravens and Lamar you know, Jackson. And so hopefully they can find a way to leapfrog, but it's going to be tough. But yeah, I think the Browns have a, have a good shot. You can't gauge it and say, oh, they're only a touchdown, you know, from going, you know, the Mahomes wasn't playing the second half of that game and, and the Browns were missing some guys too, but it'll be interesting yeah. to see that season opener. Yeah, it absolutely will be. Um, you know, I saw an article <clears throat> You know, this time of year, other than these mini camps, things are pretty slow from the news perspective. But I still get up every morning and write this newswire thing where I try to recap all the news of the day. And I've been writing about these articles, which are basically lists, which are really popular during this time of year. You know, five NFL players with the most bizarre haircuts and, you know, and stuff like that. And there was one that said seven, the teams, that, uh, seven teams that are best set up for the future. You know, in the NFL, five of those were from the AFC, right? The Dolphins, the Ravens, the Browns, uh, the Chiefs, and one other team that I'm not remembering right now that should probably be obvious to me. Uh, but uh, it just, you know, it just goes to show. I mean, that's that's classic Cleveland luck. When the uh, Cleveland Browns uh, are successful on the field again, then, of course, everybody else in our division has to be good as well. Uh, so, you know, there'll be some rivalries formed, uh, certainly in the coming years, uh, as the Browns go up, uh, toe to toe with the Ravens and the Chiefs and others. Uh, second story out of the, uh, charity softball game is that Jarvis Landry said to anyone who would listen that Odell Beckham Jr. is in amazing shape following his ACL tear and would blow your mind away. And, uh... Stefanski didn't go that far today, uh, but Stefanski said he looked good to me. Um, do you think that uh, Landry is still talking about uh, 
potential destruction of still capable minds here with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Did he look that good to you, Fred, uh, given that he was uh, hurt his ACL last year? Well, I might have seen more of him in the softball game than I did today. I mean, mm. they're going to they're gonna take him very slow because there's no reason for him to be out there doing everything. He was out on the field with a helmet on, but he, he did just individual drills and ran patterns against the air. He didn't go out there with the first team or, or any team when they went into the 11-on-11 team. They had Donovan Peoples-Jones and Landry, you know, and Higgins out there. Um, Hodge and so they shouldn't have him out there but I think Landry's talking about when they were in Austin he was doing everything they didn't have trainers there so I think Mm -hmm. he was doing a little bit more he was talking about him running a post route where he went off his injured leg leaped high and caught the ball with one hand and I believe all that because you know that's what he's going to do I couldn't believe that he was even going to play in the softball game and I thought he was just there for advertisement, but he actually was out there pitching and, and batting and stuff. So, you know, it's kind of crazy when Stefanski made Garrett retire from basketball and that then OBJ shows up to play softball. Right. They all came right. out of it without injuries, and so that's a good yeah. thing. But, no, I think that everything is is there. Stefanski was asked if he had seen the videos and him doing all these things. And whether he did or not, he said he hasn't seen any of the videos. This was the first he'd seen him on the field, right. and that was good enough for him. He looked like he was moving around, and he gave the, the coach answer. But, no, I think that, you know, he's, as Lane has said all along, he's way ahead of schedule. I think he's totally ready to go. But there's no reason for him to play in the preseason, if at all, maybe – Maybe run a few routes. I don't know, but I doubt mm-hmm. if he'll even do much until the regular season. And and why should he? Right, right. Uh, he certainly has the experience to be able to step in and play. That's for sure. And uh, give him as much time to heal as possible. Uh, so everything looking pretty good on the Landry front. Uh, what I want to do now is I want to uh, go a little bit into. Uh, an article that you put together today, Fred, on your five takeaways uh, from camp. Um, And if you see any disturbance on my side of the screen, it is a small white dog that is pestering the hell out of me uh, as we speak. So if I seem distracted, that's it. Uh, Or if she starts barking, you'll know the the secret here. But uh, your five takeaways. Your first takeaway was on the revamped defense. And it seemed to me from your list that the guys that you would expect to be on the first team are on the first team. Um, any surprises that you saw at all in terms of how people were being rotated or, or anything at all like that? No, I mean, they didn't even have Miles Garrett out there sometimes with the first team. I'm not reading too much into the lineup, but what to me was just seeing these guys on the field um, with the six unrestricted free agents the top two draft picks and the three players that didn't play a down for the Browns last year in, in Grant Delpit, Andrew Billings, and um, Greedy Williams, I think that you got 11 players in the mix to be starters or in the first rotation. And that's in addition to Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett. So that's, you know, that's 13 players, 13, 14 players that I would consider frontline players 
and that's not necessarily counting Ronnie Harrison, who I think could start if they start three safeties. And um, Jacob Phillips could also be in there as well. So they've got some good depth. To me, seeing them out there on the field, Jadavian Clowney for the first time, Tack McKinley for the first time, um, that, that was big. I think the defense is what, obviously, because all the moving parts and new guys, that them, the more time they can get together going into training camp will only bode well. Anthony Walker looks like a natural, you know, leader, you know, as well. And so, yeah, I'm, I just, I think that the revamped defense, if you said nine out of 11 starters, you'd think, oh, well, that's like a rebuilding and, and it's going to be mm-hmm. garbage. No, they needed to rebuild that defense. I would have got rid of nine of the 11 probably. And so I think they're all upgrades. The only question would be, Sheldon Richardson, will the guys that are stepping in be able to play as well, if not better as a whole, than he did? But, no, I like the look of the defense. I'm anxious to see in training camp when they start putting the pads on and start hitting a little bit. Right now, they just look pretty good flying around. One thing I noticed is a lot of speed. JOK's Mm. got speed. Jacob Phillips got speed. John Johnson, Troy Hill. Greg Newsome, you know, JOK, all these guys have speed. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that. We saw when you played teams that have speed, like the Chiefs, that you need more of it. And Andrew Berry got the message, need more speed. Yeah, he says the mantra is uh, smart, tough, accountable. Uh, but fast is somewhere in that too. And the team has gotten noticeably faster on defense. You know, as you were talking, Fred, I was thinking a little bit about, you know, the fact that we will have nine new starters, but uh, which, which generally bodes ill for the first couple of games. But a lot of these guys are very experienced veterans. You know, uh, Troy Hill, you know, John Johnson, they are going to fit into that rotation, I think, very cleanly. Um, the two I'm worried about are in the defensive secondary, and that's Greg Newsom and Grant Delpit. Uh, who haven't seen uh, regular season action uh, at this point. Uh, does that worry you at all, or do you think that they have the veteran leadership there that uh, will bring the young guys along? Well, I don't know what will happen in training camp, but that's the beauty of of what they did in depth. I mean, they drafted Grant Delpit last year to be that guy. Obviously, he had the Achilles and lost the season, so he hasn't played at all. But you were able to bring in Ronnie Harrison during the season. He never really got fully acclimated. You know, he, he'd get going and then had COVID, or he'd get going and then right. a little injury. John Johnson was the captain or the signal caller, the number one defense in the NFL in the Rams. And Troy Hill was also a starter on that defense. Those two guys are going to make a major impact. But with that Mm -hmm. said, John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison could be your starting safeties, and you're not relying on Delpit to even play the first game necessarily. We'll see if he's ready in training camp. Same thing at cornerback. You mentioned Greg Newsom. We all hope he's great, but I don't think he has to be ready to start the first game. You have Denzel Ward, hopefully Greedy Williams, but you got Troy Hill. If you had to play, you know, Ward and Hill. You know, between even Greedy, if he's the starter, and Newsom's the fourth, third or fourth corner. And so that depth is what's more important. Instead of having to throw out Kevin Johnson or, or Robert Jackson or MJ Stewart, 
you you have somebody i think most all those guys are ahead of them in talent mm -hmm. and and so you might not be rushed to have to throw these young guys in same way with jok if he's ready good but if he's not you have anthony walker you have jacob phillips you have Taki Taki, if he makes the team, or Wilson, you know, you have some experience there. And so right. you can bring – that's what you want is depth. You don't want to throw guys out there. You don't want to throw Newsom out there before he's ready against Patrick Mahomes or same thing with Grant Delpit. And so you have some experience that can go in there if they're not ready to go um, right for day one. Right, right. Uh, of note in the chat room, Jericho Holic five hundred two says, "Woof, woof, woof, woof." I can't wait for the season, baby. And uh, I'm just going to say that I completely relate to that. These next six weeks are going to be rough uh, until training camp, but then the action will come fast and furious for the rest of the year. And if you uh, are interested in tracking the inside working of the Browns uh, through that time, you may want to take advantage of the uh, two for, two months for $1 special that we're currently running on the OBR through minicamp. Uh, in addition to that special, uh, we also have brand new VIP items which are coming, new VIP articles every week, uh, new film breakdowns, Fred's analysis, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and of course, you know, continue to have the amazing work that Lane Adkins does in Room Cent Rumor Central and ATI. Uh, just lots of stuff to look forward to if you are an OBR subscriber. So please take advantage of this deal now. Uh, commercial over. So uh, that's my spiel. Um, let's go back into your five takeaways, Fred. Uh, the second one was about Jadavion and Tack in the house. Uh, how did Jadavion Clowney look? You know, he's coming back from uh, uh, some problems as well. He was moving around pretty good. He looked pretty good to me, and he was fitting right in. I saw him joking around with, with some of the players, Miles Garrett, and that's what you want. You want him to to feel at home and, and get himself, you know, up to speed as soon as possible. You know, and there's a real chance that he or McKinley can be a long-term answer, you know, opposite Garrett. You know, McKinley's only, I think, 25, 26 and has really had the Browns have been very high on him, particularly Andrew Barry tried to get him five times last year when he was slipped through waivers, you know, and injured. And then they tried to trade for him. He mentioned when we talked to him and Clowney, he's, he's like 28. And if he can revive his career, he's, he's been trying to get a big payday for quite a while. And mm -hmm. maybe one or both these guys can be the answer, you know, opposite miles Garrett. So if one of them can can step up and have a big year, I think that bodes well for the Browns, but also for Miles Garrett. So they were they were moving around, looked pretty good to me. They were taking out some vicious um, assaults on the on the the pads. If you right. look at some of my tweets, you know, on the D line, you can see um, Javdamian and McKinley and Miles Garrett taking out their frustrations on the tackling dummy had a little head of somebody I don't know who it was but they <laughs> they knocked it off they had to go set it back up after one of them got through with it nice that's what I like to hear uh, of course uh, the ever-present question uh, about the mystery man uh, was Curtis Weaver out there today Yes, he was number fifty-nine. You'll see him some of the vi that videos on the defensive line. I think he has a really good chance to be in the rotation and to be the maybe the fourth 
uh, defensive end off the edge, you know, maybe even a guy that could get in there if Clowney moves inside, you know, and plays tackle. They were very high on him last year. We never saw him on the field because he was claimed during the roster cuts, but put on IR for the whole year. But Andrew Barry said he totally transformed his body. One of the biggest knocks on him, he was a fifth round pick, was that his strength. And he looks like he's added the bulk and the strength just see if he still has his speed and quickness. That was his forte at Boise State. So I think he could be very interesting. I know Porter Gustin was the darling of camp last year, ended mm-hmm. up starting a lot, but he never had a sack. He he played pretty well. But I think Weaver could really, you know, challenge for that spot, you know, even this year, maybe even more. You know, another guy that uh, Javon asked about in the chat room uh, is uh, Romeo McKnight. Uh, the defensive end out of Charlotte. Uh, did you see any of him today? Or, uh, I mean, he's going to have a real hard time making the uh, the roster, obviously, given how loaded the roster is. But uh, you see any of him today? You hear anything about him? Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned that. I saw number 57 in the defensive line making – showing very good quickness. And I looked him up because I didn't have all their numbers down. I said, oh, it's Romeo McKnight. And uh, I think you'll see that in some of the videos I tweeted. But, yeah, I was mm-hmm. mildly surprised with his, you know, speed. And he caught my eye there. I think he's going to have a tough time making the team. Um, but I would think a practice squad candidate all day, you know. But right. who knows what happens. There's always guys, unfortunately, that get hurt and dinged up. And uh, if that happens at the edge, you know, he could be a guy right in the mix. So keep your eye mm-hmm. on him. I think he's a, he's an undrafted free agent on the edge that, that could, you know, could come out anywhere. You know, I don't know what Weaver's going to do. I don't know what Gustin's going to do. Joe Jackson, mm-hmm. you know, or McKnight, I think that they're not all going to make it. But if one, or, one of them can really shine, they have a chance. But I would say right now his best chance will be practice squad. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, and good question, uh, Javon. Appreciate it. A um, couple more of your takeaways. The third has to do with uh, offensive continuity, uh, which is a first for this team in a, a long, long time. Um, what do you think the the biggest opportunity on offense for the Browns to improve is? Uh, they've got everybody back. They're running the same scheme. Uh but they're going to, you know, they need to move forward. How is this team going to move forward on offense? Well, I think that it's it's just what I said, continuity. This is the first time Baker Mayfield has been in the same system for two years in a row, same head coach, same offensive coordinator, same play caller, um, same players. Can you think in your history, I mean, I've followed the Browns for a long time. I cannot remember all 11 starters returning, you know, intact and and so right there that will allow them to pick up quickly where they left off is they they were playing some of their best offensive football in the second half of the season when it started clicking they should be able to pick up where they left off and Stefanski even said so much today and then add some things that maybe they couldn't even get to last year with the COVID shortened preseason or no preseason and add to it. And that's where I think maybe the element of the jet sweep and, and using Anthony Schwartz or Jojo Nats and, 
and incorporating that speed into the offense, getting Odell Beckham back and Schwartz and being able to stretch the field and move Landry back inside. And what I'm more interested in anything, and I've been harping on it for about a year, is getting Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the field together and using those two backs at the same time, letting them block for each other and keep the defense guessing is who's going to get the ball and who's going out for passes. And look at that double threat weapon. When only one's back there, they know that only one of them is the option to run the ball or pass catch. So I think this is going to allow them to be more creative and build on it. So I think the continuity is the biggest addition of the offense this year is just Baker Mayfield, I think will be different this year with OBJ last year. He was finding his way, and I think he was a little bit intimidated, but he saw what this offense did without him, and I think that his attitude will be, hey, fit in. If you're going to be in, if you're open, we'll find you. If you're not, I got six other guys to get the ball to, and I think being familiar with that offense will allow him to spread the ball around more to his weapons. Agreed, agreed. Um well, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit now. Let's get to some questions that are in the chat room uh, and as well that I brought from uh, Ask the Insiders. Um, this first question comes from Brian, and Brian asked, was everybody from the Austin semi-organized team activities <laughs> able to practice fully? Uh, didn't hear about any injuries coming from uh, the Austin uh, team activities. Did you, Fred? No, um, but OBJ was at, in Austin, and he didn't practice fully. It wasn't because of an injury down there. It's, mm-hmm. This is what they're going to do with him. Right. But uh, I think everybody else, the only there was only four guys that were on the field that did not practice that were with the trainers. I have a video. Chris Hubbard, which was good to see, he's coming off ACL. He was with the trainers on the bikes on the side. Tony Fields, fifth-round pick, you know, from – West Virginia had had his he was on the side with the trainer. He's had his foot in a boot, um, mm-hmm. ankle, and uh, Anthony Schwartz has something with his leg. Had it in a wrap, but he was with the trainers. And there was one other one. I got it in the video. I got it in my story. Um, oh, okay. It was Malik McDowell. I don't it's know what's McDowell, wrong with right. him, but he doesn't need to miss time. This guy's on borrowed time. Mm-hmm. And so he needs to get in there soon. I don't know what's wrong with him, but those four guys were the only guys that didn't practice, you know, on the, I mean, Beckham and some of them didn't do all the drills with the team if they're coming off injury, but they were out right. there going through it with their group. All right. Uh, always Browns fans, always looking for uh, whether or not there are injuries or issues. We had a question from uh, Stico about Tony Fields, which you just answered. Thank you, Fred. Uh, one question I had, what is the deal with Garrett leaving practice early? Did Stefanski explain that at all? My understanding is he walked off and did some stretching and and left practice. Well, it must have been, I left before it was over to get to mm. the press conference, and uh, yeah, it was I late didn't hear the... anything about it. So that might have been something he talked about. I didn't look at the transcripts, but... Um, if there was something, he probably would have addressed it and said what it was. But, you know, he wasn't out there, you know, with the, in the scrimmaging. They had McKinley and Clowney on the ends. 
-hmm. didn't see him all the time out there. So, you know, those guys, if they, if they even have anything, he was running all the sprints. I never saw, it looked like Camp Mangini, the defensive lineman and offensive line when we were running and running and running down at the, near the end of practice, not right. punishment. It was just like sprints. And I was, <laughs> he was running with that. So yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out, you know, if, if he's, if he's out tomorrow, we'll update everything, but okay. I wouldn't be too concerned. I mean, if a guy sneezes, they go have him sit down. Right. Exactly. Rune dog asked, uh, uh, whether you had a chance to see Miles, obviously you did today, but whether he looks bigger than he did last year. Um, we've seen all these workout you know, videos from the offseason, him doing amazing things and so on and so forth. Also saw him in a suit that looked like it was bursting uh, several weeks ago. Um, does, uh, uh, does Miles look noticeably bigger to you? Well, if you look yeah. at, I saw him up close um, when he was, he was, he was in a, we had a little before the Jarvis Landry softball event, Jarvis had a press conference and he was in there mingling around with fans and, and people that were VIPs or whatever. And he had a t-shirt on and he was bulging. I have video of him, you know, signing mm. a couple items for people. And uh, yeah, he looks big. He was been big, but he's a big human being and he looks bigger. Um, I think he's ready to go. I think he's ready to, to really take off this year there's no reason that he wouldn't you know he's got everything around him he's got defensive backs that should give more time for him to get to the quarterback he's got uh, opposite pass rusher it looks like that should help him and more than anything you know he says he's over COVID and has his win back so mm -hmm. you know I, th I look for a big year from him uh, another question from Larry Bedouin uh, asks who do we keep between Malcolm Smith and Mac Wilson at linebacker? Uh, interesting question. Those two will probably be fighting for a roster spot in the uh, uh, new supercharged linebacking core with the addition of Walker and JOK. Uh, if you were a betting man, uh, who do you think is going to keep, has the best shot to keep their job? Well, that's tough without training camp, you know, mm -hmm. to go in. Um, you know, you got youth more with Wilson. I think it's going to come down to special teams. They lost a lot of special teams players in the offseason, the Tavier Thomases and guys like that. And if Wilson's going to make the team, it's going to be on special teams, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I, for one, think he has a, a long shot to make the team at this point. When you draft two linebackers, JOK and Phillip, or not Phillip, some fields, you're expecting them to make the team. And you already have Taki Taki from last year who was a core special teamer and played pretty well in defense. And then you have Jacob Phillips who you spent a third round pick on. So right. Anthony Walker's a, you know, he's heart and soul of it. They brought Malcolm Smith back for a reason, but I think, yeah, I think that if I was to pick right now, I think they'd probably keep Smith, but um, Wilson did have a interception today. I saw in the seven on sevens, it was a tip ball and, and so he's going to have to have more plays like he did as a rookie than what he did last year. And uh, he's going to have to catch the eyes in a hurry. It seemed like, you know, going into camp last year, he was really going to be one of the mainstays. Then he got hurt, and they brought in Malcolm Smith when he got hurt. And Malcolm right. Smith ended up being the second leading tackler, and Wilson never really made an impact. So this he wasn't brought in by this regime. And so – 
I would say right now Malcolm Smith's got the leg up, but if all things being equal and Wilson can show he can be more valuable on special teams and they feel Walker and JOK and Fields can handle it, then they might keep Wilson because of the special teams angle. I, I seem to remember Wilson doing a good job of snatching the ball out of the air last preseason, uh, and uh, that did not appear during the regular season. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see, again, another interesting uh, 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 roster battle to keep uh, keep an eye on. Um, Javon asks, thoughts on Davion Davis? Now, he's the guy from the Spring League that the Browns just signed. Was Do you know if he was in uniform today, Fred? Well, he's not on the roster. Um, I can look at it. There was a number 18 out there. Somebody said, who's 18? I think that was him because mm-hmm. but I looked, and they didn't even have, you know, tryout players or anybody like that listed. So unless he's another number, yeah, I think that was him. Um, and I just think he's there. I don't think he's signed. He's not part of the 90-man roster. My, you know, I don't know how all the nuances work. But I did see that, and I think I retweeted that he was going to be there. Um, but I, I believe he was number 18. But they were so far away on the other side of the field. Yeah. I mean, you had to have binoculars to even see him. And I haven't figured out how to video through binoculars. I know there's a way to do it. But, mm. but um, no, I have no opinion on him. If they move a little closer, I'll take a look. But. I believe if you see in the background number 18, I think that was him. But there's no 18 on their roster, so I think that's who it was. All right. Fair enough. Big jump from the spring league to the NFL. Uh, He's got his work cut out for him, but at least he has a shot. Uh, Alan Schreiner asked, does Forbes look like he's – Drew Forbes – look like he's maintained his weight and condition being off a year? Obviously, they are on the opposite side of the field from you, Fred, but – uh, Alan asked this about Drew Forbes on the offensive line. Uh, did he put on the COVID-25 like uh, Andrew Billings did? No, I don't think so. I think that, you know, they have him listed at 308, and I would say he's a very lean 308 because he looks he looks pretty good. He looks like he did the last I saw him two years ago. Um, I think that, you know, they're hoping he can be kind of the new find, you know, Wyatt Teller and and maybe, you know, back up at tackle, maybe ultimately replace Chris Hubbard as that swing guy that can play tackle guard and be valuable on the offensive line. Um, Again, you just saw these guys over there by themselves. I I did a group shot video of the offensive linemen. You can see them, but it's from a distance. It's 100 yards or so away. But, um, yeah, I think that I think he looks fine. No, he hasn't. He hasn't ballooned up that like some of the other guys. But in fairness, I never saw Billings last year either because none of them were on the field. They all opted out and were not on the field or anywhere near us. Uh, one final question. This comes from uh, Gary in the uh, YouTube chat room. Uh, he asked, "Do you think Wills will be much better this year, uh, Jedrick Wills? I think he did well last season considering the obstacles." that he had to overcome. You expecting a, a jump in production in year two, Fred? Yeah, I, I think so. I talked to him at the Jarvis's event. He just, just the experience he got as a rookie, that's always the hardest. You're playing left tackle. He was a right tackle in college. You know, you're getting the best pass rushers. 
and I think that, you know, he feels a lot more, you know, comfortable this year. And with Bill Callahan working on him, I expect a big leap in him this year. Mm -hmm. And it will only bode well for Baker Mayfield and the offense to give even more time, you know, to to this to this running back core and wide receivers and tight ends. So, yeah, I think he's going to have a, a good year and make a big jump. All right. Well, let me apologize to uh, Jim C., uh, who wrote me via email, and Jen of the Sheep, who threw in a couple questions on the ATI board that we were not able to get to those in our uh, uh, in our hour allotment of time here on YouTube. Uh, but I'm going to keep those around because I suspect we're going to need those questions next week uh, as things slow down a little bit after the mini camps. And I hope that you are here uh, to join us uh, next week when we come back. Uh, also, uh, check out the site for an announcement uh, today of a new video cast, which is going to be coming on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at this same bat time and bat channel. Uh, it is not the same old Browns podcast, uh, which will be live with Andrew Lytle, Andrew, Andy Lytle and Stephen Thomas hosting uh, that new uh, video cast. So uh, generally an improvement in hosts from what you uh, got to see tonight. Um, and that is pretty much it. Any final words for uh, our audience, Fred? Now, the next two days, you know, is going to be a drought after that. So follow me on Twitter and get all the video, and you'll be able to see. Most of the players I have somewhere in there, you can find their numbers and, and uh, see what they look like running around out there. And, well, stories, you know, about what happened. So check it out at the OBR. All that stuff's free. And then we have a lot of premium stuff as well. All right. Very good. Twitter.com slash Fred Greetham. Live it. Know it. Follow it. And we will see you all again here, uh, bourbon in hand, for one of us at least, uh, next Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. See you then. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys.